But I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. My name is Cody Ryan. If this is your first time listening, I want to remind everybody that our theme song is brought to you by Frightened Rabbit. The reason why I bring it up today is actually because of my guest today, and I want to introduce her now. How's it going, Kathleen? It's going really well. So the reason I brought that up is because actually um, our mutual friend John McNish kind of mentioned that um, he found Frightened Rabbit through our theme song, um, but it's actually you who introduced it to me, and we kind of talked about it in the episode, and recently um, they released some... um, I guess live covers. It was yeah. kind of its own concert where a lot of people were, um, you know, performing some of the songs from Frightened Rabbit. If you don't know the story, fortunately, the lead singer, um, about a year ago, I think in, in a May, few months, yeah. yeah, May, he committed suicide, uh, presumably, because he had gone missing for a few days. Uh-huh. And he was one of the most insightful people. So I wanted to start with that because I know. If you listen to the podcast and you jumped in like midway through, you probably heard the theme song and might not know what it's from. It's from a song called Poke. And Kathleen, I know that song and that artist means a lot to you. So I wanted to bring that up all the yeah, time. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that. That is still um, a huge thing for me, especially with this really recently, I guess a week ago, they released that live show that I tried to go to and I didn't get a chance to because of reasons that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect transition there. So a uh, You know, when you came on the first one, you talked about your kind of secondary passions, Mm -hmm. your music, and, you know, what you'd want to do with that if you could. But today we're talking about, you know, nine to five day jobs. Yeah. And it's funny because I was telling you a story before you, um, you know, started recording with us that we had an episode planned with Iz, who we released episode a couple weeks ago, and she was talking about her job, and she wasn't comfortable, you know, releasing that episode necessarily. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because... You know, if somebody got a hold of it, For sure. you know, it could be a problem. And I, I know my coworkers now know about this. I shared it out with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the kind of person who even complains about the pod or my job on the podcast, but there's a lot of things. I mean, obviously I spend 40 hours a day or a week at this job and, you know, there's a lot of mental health things that either my outside mental health comes into my job or my job causes it. And you reached out to me and said, Hey, look, I would like to talk about this. Yeah. So it seemed like a perfect time to, you know, a lot of things on my mind, and I wanted to invite you on to kind of talk through those things. So, um, you know, a lot of jokes about millennials in the workplace, yeah. I guess we're kind of talking about that, but more so focusing on kind of how it affects us mental health wise. And, you know, I've got a little bit of a story to bring up um, too, but I, I wanted to just get a flavor for where you feel like you are at work right now. Yeah, for right now, it's, I mean, I think right now I'm good, but I think for. Mental health-wise, I think um, my career was the one that kind of brought it out to me. Um, This isn't, like, really a secret story. If anyone knows me professionally, they've kind of heard this. But um, a lot of my – I talked about it on the podcast before. Like, I have really bad anxiety. And I had had it my whole life, but it really didn't manifest itself until I started working in the professional world. And I was just scared of everything. Um, client calls. Um, I work in a services industry where I'm working with clients all the time and I would just panic and it turned into a thing where it was manifesting itself every morning. I was throwing up like 
weird stuff that like people would it was that thing where it was like why are you stressed out and I'm like I don't know and it was like it kind of just was that boiling point where I was like I need to do something about this because this is not normal and I know there is no such thing as normal but it, it was just affecting me day to day so I think it was a blessing and a curse like it's helped me so much um because it made me actually deal with my issues that I was kind of ignoring but um it was really tough to deal with and kind of like admit that this affects me in my professional life all the time. Um, yeah, so a little bit more than just Sunday scaries. Oh, but... yeah, it wasn't Sunday scaries. It <laughs> yeah. was Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, everyday scaries. Not Wednesday, though? You skipped Wednesday. Did is I skip Wednesday? Is that your only good day? Yeah, Wednesdays I would, um, I don't know what I would do on it's Wednesdays. It's just your hump but... day, you go out to nice lunch. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would just be like, fine, every Wednesday, but... Well, that's funny, though, because I do feel like I have certain rhythms at work to just mm-hmm. try to break up. I mean, I know, like... You know, for me, I try to bring lunch, but every Friday I try to, you know, go out for lunch and look forward to that. Or, you know, there's certain days where, you know, I give myself a break if, you know, I plan on working out. You know, I don't work out that day Mm because I'm really stressful. But that's another problem is, you know, just the disruption of, you know, a crazy work day you can have on the rest of your life. I'm getting better at leaving the office and saying, okay, I'm not going to think about these things. But I feel like when I leave the office and I had a particularly bad day, that mental drain stays with me to the point where I want to come home and lay on the couch. Mm -hmm. You know, this podcast for me, it's a hobby on the side. And there's even times people are coming over the podcast and I I don't even want to set up the equipment, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with you coming over because, you know, I don't like having too many conversations with you. We're just associates in this podcast game. If they're not recorded, then they don't happen. Yeah. I mean, it's usually fist fighting. Kathleen likes to hit (laughs) me consistently. Uh, No, none of that's true. But I, I think, you know, for me, when you said, hey, I want to talk about work, I'm like, yeah, this is probably something I need to talk about right now. And yeah. it, it feels like a lot of times these episodes find me when I'm in those moments. So um, I definitely wanted to share some of the stories with you as well. And um, yeah, I was so happy that you asked to come on because, you know, if anybody goes back or has already listened to Kathleen's old episode, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking a lot about our passions, but, you know, Again, we live in this world 40 to, you know, 50, 60, who knows, mm-hmm. um, depending on the week. And that's really who we are to most of the people in our world. And yeah. that that's sometimes hard to break free from. And you get that anxiety of like, you know, am I going to be doing this for till I'm 65 or dead? Like, and I, I feel that a lot. So, um, yeah. How do you feel about dying, uh, Kathleen, just doing this job for the rest of your life? Um... It's fine. Um, no, I, I work in a very stressful um, industry. I work in public relations and I used to dabble in event management. And I'm like, for someone who has anxiety to like talk about that, it's like, it's one of the most anxiety inducing careers. So I'm like, why did I choose that? But I chose it really early in my life. And um, I, I tell this story a couple times and I know I sound crazy and I'm going to say it right now. Like, I chose my college major when I was 12 years old and I never changed it and I was it was PR and I ended up um, studying that and now that's the career I'm in and I'm doing fairly well for myself and it's just wild to think at like 12 years old I thought I knew I wanted what I want to do with my life and it ended up kind of kind of being what I want to do with my life but um, it, it was one of those things I wanted to skip all of high school. I didn't want to deal with high school. I just want to go right to college, right to my career. I didn't really want to do college either. But I had older siblings that kind of – I was just ready to be in it. And then when I got there, I was scared shitless. Like, I was staying in the office super late. I was scared to talk to anyone. 
I was scared of my bosses and they've known that. I've told them. So if you guys are listening, you know, <laughs> I'm scared of you. Um, but I was like scared to talk to anyone. I was, I was, it was so weird and I didn't know how to handle myself and I felt like such a baby in my career. And then it got to the point where it was sink or swim. Like I was not, it was bad. And like, I was just like, I got to do it. And I did it. And it was the hardest thing in my life, but it was, it turned out to be the most rewarding experience. So that was kind of a giant cluster bleep of my oh, career. You, you know but, you <laughs> I know, but I don't like using that word. But um, yeah, like my career has been so weird where I think like, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing, and then I do something, and I'm like, holy shit, that was so worth it. Yeah, and I feel like I'm kind of the same way. Um, I, I'm a little curious of how a 12-year-old finds PR, but, I you know, you I, I work in finance, and it's another one of those careers. It's like, yeah, you get set up with a good salary out of school, and, you know, I was always kind of running, too. I didn't want to go to high school or like college. Like, I wanted to be working because I knew, you know who I was growing up, I had these ambitions and school just feels like a, a check mark to me mm-hmm. to get to those. But it was always this running feeling. And then to get my job, I remember, you know, being an intern and I, I they actually did a performance review for me. Mm-hmm. And I worked at this bank and they did a performance review when I was only there for four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst performance review ever. It was, you got nothing. And I was like, well, they're not going to hire me full time. And mm-hmm. this is, this is the bank, you know, like, they don't hire me. It felt like that's a dream crushed right there. Mm-hmm. Well, I turn around my performance, eventually get kind of strung along as I work through the school year, get a job. And, you know, I, I, I feel good there for a bit, but then they switch me teams and it's really uneasy there. Never felt like I really grasped the material. Eventually, I find a new job and it clicks with me. I feel great. And I'm pushing for a promotion. I get the promotion and it's just like the whole world fell out under me. It was... Mm-hmm oh no, like I'm this now. I have to reprove myself. And I did it. Eventually, you know, I did this heavy churn and like pushed myself. There was a little bit of a lull, but I got really heavily into it. And then recently they've kind of been like, Ooh, we, we put you too close to the fire. Let's pull you out. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm back on the other end. Like, who am I? Does anybody care who I am? Mm-hmm. Do I mean anything here? And there was, there was things obviously, I, you know, I'm not going to bring up on the podcast because yeah. they're a little bit more internal, but you know, some things happened that made it look like, whoa, like, is my job tomorrow going to be the same of what it is today? Things just changed dramatically. And funny enough, today, actually, um, a recruiter reached out to me who um, has a company in New York that is actually a pretty reputable company. And like, I read their reviews. It's great. But I thought about moving to New York. And it was like, you know, the old me, that that young go-getter mm-hmm. is like, yeah, take any opportunity. Doesn't matter where it is. Yeah. Go. And now I think the mental aspect of leaving Philly right now would potentially ruin me. Mm-hmm. So you even talk about not just the job you're in, but your future career growth. I mean, I know people a lot of times say, yeah, I'm, you know, this is the area I want to be. I'm not going to move. But this is for me, like, you know, I feel like I could move, but New York itself, I'm like, ah, that's not the city. Yeah. And I'm not even the kind of person that gets like freaked out by cities themselves. It's just mm-hmm. New York itself. I'm just like... Nah, that's not me. Like, I'm I'm a Philly guy. Yeah. And that sucks because, you know, who knows what opportunities could be out there. Mm-hmm. But I'm not ready to leave. And I think that's fair. But, you know, there's still that that FOMO, too, of For sure. what yeah. does it mean to go to the next step. I mean, I work in PR. If I moved to New York, the options would be incredibly more vast for me. Um, <laughs> for most careers, I mean, for, Yeah, it's just a huge market. And, like, I really did have that opportunity um, about a year ago. 
it was definitely on the table to leave Philly, move back to New York, and I just, I didn't want to do it. I didn't consider it, um, or I, I considered it, but I, it wasn't. Didn't like progress very far. Yeah, it wasn't a really great consideration. It was kind of just like, oh, that's an option. I'm sure it would work out, but I wasn't excited about it. And I've, but I was ready at that time in my career. I was still at my first professional job. Um, and I was ready to like move on, not move on, but just like get new experience. And, um, New York was an option. And then I wasn't sure and I was going back and forth. And then I ended up finding, Another job in Philadelphia, which that's where I am now, and it was a great opportunity for me. It was definitely um, one of those moments where you're just diving into the deep end, and you're just like, let's see what happens. Like, it was very much like, I didn't know what I was getting into. It seemed like a good fit. I'm going to do it. And it's now it's been about um, eight or nine months, and it's been great. Um, But I was scared shitless. (laughs) I I think I said that earlier. Like, it's, it's a scary thing to switch jobs it's a scary thing to like move around in your career when everything feels safe at one point but um I think especially being in your 20s like you never know what your career is going to be yeah and I remember when I left my first job I went from big bank to big advertising company but I was going to a you know a smaller um agency within a larger thing and I remember walking out doors from the big bank in having this wave of emotion and all at once, you know, feeling all these things about the old job, but also just thinking, oh no, what have I done? Mm-hmm. There was definitely this feeling of like, I just left all the safety and security in the world. Like if I just stay here for how many ever years and just don't get fired, like I'm set for life. Yeah. But I wanted something new and there was definitely that feeling of, oh no, what have I done? And then when I got there, it could not be more perfect. But then that feeling always stays in the back of my head when I look at new opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's well, you go here, is it just leaving to for the sake of leaving or is this the new, you know, next step? I, mm-hmm. I get offered jobs by recruiters all day that are in Glen Mills, PA, King of Prussia, yeah. the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> the hours are from 2 a.m. to 9 a.m. And I'm like, that doesn't sound very good, but I'm glad you considered me that keeping me in mind for future opportunities yeah. that are, you know, on Eastern right. time. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, especially in this world where like, you know, they, they make jokes about how, like, Tinder, like, you could be on a date with somebody and find, like, another date for later that night. There's so many options. But even LinkedIn, people have access to just constantly, like, knocking your door, like, hey, you interested? Hey, you interested? And a lot of times it's garbage. But if you're in a bad mental mindset, somebody hits you with one mm-hmm. of those LinkedIn messages, you might be, like, chomping the bit to talk to someone about the worst job in the world. Yeah. And it's kind of, like, a little scary that I even have the options because I'm thinking, like, what if I make an irreversible move in my yeah. career. I will say um, with that, when I left my last job, and I don't think anyone's going to hear that I say this, I left on really good terms. I was in a, it was in a moment where, like, it was almost like, a, are you sure you want to leave? And I said it was, like, the best thing for me at that moment. And we left on a situation where they said, we hope you come back. Like, they, we left on a situation where they were like, we hope we work again together, and it was just really nice, and it was, I will say, it's, like, one of the more ideal situations, but um, that was really, when I heard that, I felt so much better, because I was really, I was upset, like, I was not happy to leave this company, but I, I knew it was what was best for me, and, like, it was one of those things that I needed it for myself, and these people had seen me go through hell and back and like they knew like they kind of knew as soon as they heard me say that like if she's saying that then she knows she needs it 
And, like, for them to say, like, we hope you work with us again, I'm, like, that it, that was that little, like, reaffirmation that I needed that I'm, like, oh, wow, like, I'm not, like, cut dead weight, let's hire someone else. Like, it didn't feel, I didn't feel just, like, a cog in the wheel anymore. Yeah. Like, I felt, like, actually valued. And I didn't think I felt that way before, but, like, I mean, everyone feels that way in their job after one time or another. But Well, like, if it makes you feel better, yeah. my old job, they had hired my replacement while I was still working there. Sometimes so that, that has to happen. That doesn't feel like, you know, and that they have to be that kind of yeah. company, so it, it kind of does take away a little bit of that, but, no, I get what you're saying. It's yeah. like, wow, you, you guys actually care. I'm not just a, a head count. Yeah, and I think, I mean, honestly, I had a wonderful team, and I think that that was... A rarity. I don't. Once again, if I lived in New York, I don't think it would have been the same situation. Um, but I just worked with some wonderful people, and but it definitely goes back to the like I'm scared shitless to leave this job. I don't know if I'm just taking this because I'm going through some shit and I need to change or and like you don't know until you know. Yeah. Like you don't know until you do it. And then it like luckily worked out, and I have worked with a wonderful company now, and I'm really happy with it. Um, I'm gonna get a new great coworker. I'm gonna preview some stuff. He's on Twitter. Oh, um, hell yeah. yeah, but um, does he want to be on the podcast? He might want to be on the podcast. <laughs> you can talk some Sixers with him. Oh hell yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I I work at the great company now, but it was very, very, very um not like me to leave um a safe situation, but it was. It was one of the, like, biggest things for my... I think, honestly, it was one of the, like, most important aspects of my life for, like, me to be strong enough to be, like, I need to leave. Yeah. And it's not salary. It wasn't even salary. Like, it wasn't salary. It wasn't just, like, job stuff. It was just, like, I need change, and this is what's good for my career. And I think that people get bogged down on money. People get bogged down on hours and all that, those different things. And they're all important. Like, every single aspect of a job is super important, but, like... It's that universal, like, all of it together needs to be, like, the perfect storm for you to be like, okay, this is good. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I talk to a lot of people early in my career and they say, take chances, they would also say things like, you know, you might work something for two years that you hate, but it could add so much. And when I got into my career, two years felt like an infinite amount of time, and I, I, I know that's a thing that people get on millennials about. It's like, you know, they don't have that mindset of you know, put in your time. But at the same time, like the shit we have to go through with student loans now, I think a lot yeah. of that, you know, kind of uh, counterbalances that. And I mean, just even the competitiveness of everything, like, you know, it, it's not easy for, you know, you come out of college and just know what to do. And yeah. we didn't have the best even infrastructure just to learn how to cook and stuff like that. So, um, you know, those are like very generic things I think a lot of people our age are going through. But I do want to focus a little bit more. You were talking about you were having like physical symptoms mm-hmm. and, you know, you're having freak outs. Did that carry over to the new job or do you feel like you kind of trained yourself a little bit at the first job? Um, It's carried over somewhat. Um, I will say I working in the industry I work in, it's always really stressful um, because a lot of my job is in the hands of other people, which isn't fun. Um. So I always tell people when they talk about like nine to five jobs and I've got ragged on by my friends are like, you care too much about your job. My job, I can, I can do it forever. Like I, there's no, I work in public relations. Like I can get, I can pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch until I get like a million results. It's the same thing as like sales. Like you can 
do sales forever. So with me, I felt like I was never doing enough. And when there's a big campaign coming on or anything like that, like I will get severe anxiety and like it's manifests itself in different ways. And there's some days where I know I'm going to be on my computer all day and like I will talk to my boss and I have the flexibility to do this. And I'll be like, I just need to work from home because I know I'm if any like if I could freak out in the office really quickly. I just need to work from home and be in my own space. And, like, there's pretty understanding of that. There's sometimes when I come into the office and then I'll do a couple things and be like, I, I, I got to go work from somewhere else. Just because I – and also I will say I have a very um, somewhat independent job where I kind of run a lot of my things and I don't really have to interact with that many other people. Um, sometimes I have a team and I work with, like, um, a couple people under me and that's where I have to kind of just suck it up and do it. But I will say, like – the stress of like knowing that you have so much pressure on you and you're and being at an agency where clients are dependent on you and your agency's revenue is dependent on you is scary as fuck I'm sorry it's like the worst feeling in the world so like when you get all of that in your head at one morning and you're just like well I'm gonna go throw up before work and then I'm just gonna go to the office and suck it all up (laughs) so that happens more than I would like to admit but um yeah and it's not like you can take a huge bong rip for your anxiety or something oh god I wish (laughs) um but you know it's like for me too you know I'm kind of going through something similar where it's not even so much that I'm like responsible for revenue I'm the guy tracks it but for me it's you know I was just kind of a transactional get the work done you're you know learning you have Mm -hmm. clients you're trying to prove yourself but i i you know got a promotion i was fighting for and i was a person to be and then we hired people that were not under me but necessarily but like they were you know i was the senior and they were just Mm -hmm. you know the the entry level and it got to this point for me even that i like you know i was supposed to be a mentor to someone and i just like was completely shutting it out because i I didn't even know what that meant. And I was, you know, I've always been the kind of person I love teaching people, but it was the idea that like this person's looking up to you and you get those questions. You're like, Oh my gosh, why didn't you know this? You go, well, cause literally no one's ever taught them. Like, yeah. and you get that stress of just like, well, now I'm not letting my boss down just because I didn't do my work. I'm letting my boss down. And I might be teaching this person who just started here that, yeah, don't, don't talk to Cheryl. She sucks at that stuff. Yeah. And it's because you let it slip and you didn't think. Or, yeah. oh, yeah, th- this team always fucks this stuff up. You say, like, those kind of things and you, you don't think you'd say this to your boss because you're transparent. But you just gave this person an impression of, you know, hey, this is how our company works. It's kind of crappy. It's like, yeah. no, you didn't mean to say that. You're just saying a little minutiae of the yeah. day to day. And I, I, I kind of even relate to you when you're talking about launches. Like, I do something now called month end, which is a common financial thing that, in my current job, I don't really have to worry about it too much. I have much more important dates that, you know, stress me out. The whole job, it varied from team to team, but we knew month end, you don't take off. Mm-hmm. You knew that you don't do things that night. Like, mm-hmm. there are some people that stay in the office till midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I was so lucky that my particular business, I was able to leave at, like, we, we knew it was the three days of dread. It was like the first day I could leave at seven and then I would leave at five the next two days because I just didn't have as much. Um, I'd like to chalk it up to I was just very efficient. That is not true. <laughs> um, but these people are staying till 2 a.m. and there's just this mental aspect of every month there's these this just dark hole. If it's a quarter end, we work Saturdays. We mm-hmm. know that. 
and you know you can't go to that concert, you can't go to that big sporting event, you can't go to certain people's things. We we had a joke that you don't take off for a month end unless it was a wedding or a funeral. And my boss, you know, she took off for her own wedding once. And I remember, you know, I have to do this stuff without her, you know, watching over me. And now my own boss is leaving for paternity leave. Mm -hmm. And the difference between my two jobs is that when she left, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just going to die. And him leaving, it's like, well, you know, I'm I'm a little bit further in my career. I think I got this. There might be some questions. But it always sticks in my head where I don't ever want to work at a company where they can say to me, you have three days where you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And there was a quarter end in particular where it was what we call BD5, day five to start the month. And they told me, Cody, you cannot take off. And they kept asking me, Cody, why do you want to take off so bad? Why do you keep pushing us? I did not want to tell them. The reason I did not want to tell them was having an interview for my current job. <laughs> and eventually I told them, I said, look, like, you guys know that I'm, I'm, I'm stressed out. Like, I just want to be transparent. I need this day off because this interview could be everything for me it looks like a good fit recently i just kind of reapplied myself to this job if it doesn't work i'll come back here tomorrow and be everything you need me to be but like i just need off this one day and lucky enough you know i got the job and didn't have to go back to awkwardness of like well i didn't get it i'm here again but you know that always stuck with me like it's five days into the month and you're telling me i can't take off like this is going to be the rest of my life here and just the, you know, the mental aspect of that, of, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, the company comes first. That, yeah. that That's things a little bit. I know that it couldn't really help it, but it's dumb. Yeah, no, I felt that way a lot in the beginning of my career. Um, it wasn't even anyone else's pressure. It was my own pressure and not feeling like I was doing enough. I was very... Um, I think, like, there was that mental mental thought of, like, feeling inadequate. I didn't – I was so happy to have the job that I had um, starting out my career. Like, it was in the, my industry. I call – I always say um, the first company I worked with, I was, like – when I got there, it was Disney World. It was, like, the most fun you could have. Like, it was wonderful people. But it was also, like, I was working till – I wasn't even living in the city at the time. I was working till, like, 7 o'clock then taking SEPTA out to my parents' house and I wasn't getting home till 8.30. But you know what? Like, it was – like, to me, it wasn't even – that wasn't the dreadful part. Like, the dreadful part was feeling inadequate during the day. Yeah. And so there was um, – I had unlimited vacation, technically. And it got to the point where I was 10 months in. And I had taken only, like, two days. I think I had taken, like, two half days and a one day. And one of the people who worked in HR basically was like, you need to take some days off. Like, you need to not be here as much <laughs> as you are. And then I was like, okay. And then I took a vacation, and then they needed me to come in for a half the day of one of my vacation days. And I was like, all right, this is why I didn't take it. And, like, yeah. it wasn't even, like, a real vacation. It was, like, a staycation because I was told that I needed to take days off. Um, but it's that stress of, like, I – see, I was, like, the opposite where I was, like, I didn't think I was allowed to do that. Like, yeah. I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I was proving myself enough. Um, statistically, unlimited vacation, you do take less days off, which is why they offer it. And everyone says it's awesome. It's not that awesome because you, yeah. you feel guilty every <laughs> single time you do it. Um, which is like, I have unlimited sick days. And for me, that means I'm definitely not taking a day off unless I'm so sick I can't work. Yeah. Whereas I know people at my old job, they're like, 
yeah, I take all my sick days on Mondays. Did you guys know these are like off days? I was like, that's not really how it works, but do you? Yeah, like, my oh, I know friends who work in like more corporate jobs where they know exactly how many days they have for all the different excuses and they use all of them because they feel like they're going to lose them and their company's so cool with that. And I was like, that's like a full month off a year. Like that's wild <laughs> to me. And I'm like, but then I could totally be doing that if I really managed my time well, but I don't because I'm boring and I like my job. <laughs> well there you have it folks um but i mean i think that's that plays a lot to what you're thinking and i i felt the same way i mean i think everybody knows like when you first start a job they'll take vacation right away Mm -hmm. but my first months were always yeah they're gonna fire me like which is just ridiculous to think you know what you start a job the runway to teach someone the learning curve is definitely not a month but i was like you know what is the incentive of this place to keep me around if i'm not performing they hired you know, at the big bank, you know, 70 us at once. Mm-hmm. They could plug in somebody else into my role tomorrow. Now, when I got my second job, you know, it was a little bit more of, hey, okay, well, they hired me and they only hired one person, but it was more of never done this before and mm-hmm. there's no backup. Like, yeah. if it's not me, it's nobody. And there was definitely anxiety there, too. I think what I liked about working at smaller companies definitely more control, feel like I make more impact. But there was also a point where, you know, financials weren't doing so good and i'm in finance and you know i know all the little secrets and know when bad things happen first and it was there was even a point it's like you know are we gonna be a company tomorrow Mm -hmm. um and it's kind of you know funny for me to be a finance guy i'm supposed to be so analytical i'm supposed to be just so the numbers and i bitch more than anybody in that entire office i guarantee it and it's just it's just who i am and you know, that stress never really escapes me. And I took a step that, you know, when I was on medication, I went and I told my boss that, hey, look, like I never told you this stuff, but you might've known that I was, you know, anxious or whatever this, but I am these diagnosed things. I take these now pills. Now, what did you know? So when you see certain things of me, um, you can tell me not that they're excuses, not Mm -hmm. reasons to like, you know, not address things with me, but I'm, I just told him, I was like, Hey, look, I'm on these pills and I don't know how long it's going to take to get used to them. And I was, I remember being at work and one of my side effects was I was shaking mm-hmm. and I was like, and somebody's like, are you called? I'm like, no. And my boss knew he's like, Hey man, like that's your meds. Isn't it? And he told me if you need mental health days, go for it. Yeah. And that was something I actually pushed for in my company that, you know, we have unlimited sick days, but nobody ever told me when I came in, that can be mental health. Mm-hmm. So I, I asked and, you know, they said, yeah, yeah, that's mental health. I'm like, let's tell people that. And I, I think that's one thing that is missing a little bit in the workplace is the mental health advocation. And I did the research because we were presenting to, you know, some of the leadership. I mean, companies that just had any kind of support system in place, higher retention, mm-hmm. higher satisfaction. Um, and it's getting to the point where, you know, we're, we were talking about like we try to separate ourselves from our job and, you know, the work-life balance is a common phrase, but it mm-hmm. just doesn't exist anymore. And if your company doesn't care about you, you know, you can't keep giving that same kind of energy to your company if they're not giving it to you. Like, I think, you know, the, the big thing is especially the danger of calling your um, coworkers family mm-hmm. because it's manipulative. You know, these, mm-hmm. you know, the company's going to do what's best for the company to, to make profit, but you say, oh, they're my family. You know, this person asked for a day off, I'll cover them or they need me come in and that's scary too because mm-hmm. it's blurring all the lines. Now, it sounds like you, you're blurring the lines on your own because of the pressure that you put yourself under. Yeah, I, I think for me, I was just really stressed out. Um, I 
think it was just a mental thing where I just never and I mean I still get criticized for this all the time where they'll be like you put yourself down way too much like even in front of clients like I recently got I don't care about saying this I recently got called out where like I had a meeting with a client and like I said one thing I was presenting something I was like yeah that's kind of a dumb idea and I like said that in the meeting I didn't even realize I said it and then on the way back like my boss was basically like, you know, you said that, like, you need to stop putting yourself down. Like you're, and like, it was, it was very like inspirational in the sense that she was just like, you're really smart and you say these things. And like, that makes people think you're not as smart as you are. And like, I was like, all right, like it was just really constructive criticism, but I will say that's something that's kind of stuck with me my whole career where it's like, I think I know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to kind of let people know that I might not know what I'm talking about. Cause it kind of makes me not look stupid and that's like not how you work in the professional world um but also I will say now like you were just the point you just brought up I'm so open about like everything I've dealt with like I as I mentioned I have really bad anxiety and there's some days it manifests itself at work and there's some days I can't control it and I actually the first time it came up was actually we were doing a charity softball game um on a Saturday and I was just having really bad anxiety all morning. I couldn't really get past it. Um, There was one, we were playing in our second game and my CEO was like on my team with me. And I just, I just went on her. I was like, I'm having a really bad, I feel like I'm about to have an anxiety attack. Like I don't know if I can, and there was always one sub and she's like, you can be the sub. And like, just me saying that to her really quickly, like it was just, it was a humanizing moment. And like, now I see her and like last week I kind of had an anxiety attack at work just because and I can't even say why, like, it just happened. And the first thing she said to me the next day was, like, are you okay? Like, are you talking to someone? And, like, they care that much, which is, like, so – I'm so thankful for it. Like, they do care about me as a person. Um, it's I think it's a benefit of working for a smaller company. But even going back to my last agency, when I was on the podcast, our – the not even my boss. My boss's boss listens to the episode. <laughs> and he was he, – his desk was across from me. And he, like – Reference something that I can't remember exactly what part, but he was like, he referenced something. He's like, that was really funny. And then once he was finished listening, he actually came up to my desk. He was like, that was really wonderful. And like, just knowing that I've been so lucky to have people who actually care when I know so many of my friends work for like Fortune 500 companies where you can just be like chopped off the block. They don't give a shit. Like, I will say I've gotten lucky. Um, but I think it is moving in the direction of people are really starting to understand that this is um, something that should be talked about more in the workplace. Um, it's something everyone deals with. Um, you can lose really, really, really great people because you don't deal with it. So, yeah. yeah and I, I think I've been making a push to be a mental health advocate, you know, obviously with this podcast, but I've tried to bring it in a lot of ways in my life you know I, I think i mentioned this to you back whenever i saw you last mm-hmm. and i've said it to other people like i've made it the point to say you know i go to therapy or I take mm-hmm. pills but in a way that's not hey look at me i take there mm-hmm. you know take pills i go to therapy it's more of just like i work in the conversations as if this is me this is who i am and i felt um you know comfortable enough recently where and this is why my coworkers even know my podcast because i brought it up after i did some stand-up at mm-hmm. this work like talent show thing and it's the first time I've done stand-up in years. I didn't really want to do it. Yeah. I always make a illusion. I have podcasts. You know, I, I, I like comedy. And somebody said, we need people for this talent show. Can you do some kind of comedy? I was like, sure. I reached into a book bag that I've had since college. It's just it's just piles of jokes. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are garbage. Some of them are problematic. I'll admit they're the 
versions of me that I do not like, in case of the anxiety itself, but I did it and it went really well. People still come up to me and say, hey, great. And, you know, I'm a tension whore, so I love that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it kind of makes me remember when I was an intern, I was working for a minor league basketball team. And this one kid that I worked with, he was a little rat. You know, I'll just admit it. I'm, you know, this is the one time I'll be completely unprofessional. <laughs> this kid's a rat. Yeah. He wanted to be an agent. Probably still follows me on Twitter. If you're listening to this, fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> Always bragging about stupid shit. Thought he was going to have the most perfect bracket the year of the March Madness. Like, he was bragging no. that he was going to And no win. one does. He was going to win the billion dollars that Warren yeah. Buffett was putting out. Um, but he found my Twitter. And on my Twitter, I would generally post uh, links to a blog I had. And the blog was called Awkward Moments of Myself. I've since deleted it. It was a Tumblr blog. But it was me kind of writing up some stand-up. Like, mm-hmm. I was too afraid to do it on stage. I'll do it on this blog. And I go into work one day and one of the um, salespeople, and I'm an intern, but he's like a sales guy out of college trying to sell tickets to minor league basketball games, goes, hey man, what's the deal with uh, that awkward moment when? I'm like, that's not even the name of it, so already terrible start and I can tell where this is going. And every time I post it, I basically would hear my own jokes back to me in such a taunting manner. And that's such a crushing moment. And, you know, somebody talked to me and said, hey, look, you got to keep your professional world and your personal world separate not even just because you'll get made fun of but just because you know if somebody finds something you get fired but like that was a really upsetting moment for me that like it was basically don't be yourself like yeah be what we want and I, I admit you know I was a kid in college I wasn't the person I wanted to be I didn't like mm-hmm. that person a lot you know it was probably dorkish but to be surrounded by people that you work with every day and their whole goal is to haze the intern like that's fine on one end but at the same time like that shaped a lot of what I thought a workplace could be. And then to now be a place like it is an advertising agency. We're creatives. You know, a lot of people, you know, show their amazing work every single day. But for me to be someone in finance, say, Hey, I have this other thing I like to do Mm -hmm. and share that with them. That, that felt great. And to, you know, that takes a lot of pressure. I remember going to the office the next week and just feeling better to be there because I felt like myself. And then, funny enough, like a couple of weeks later, I was feeling stressed out again. And I, I do believe it was probably a little bit of life and a little bit of work getting overwhelming. And my emotions were getting the best of me and, you know, had a kind of a conversation with my boss. Months and months ago, I got called out for rolling my eyes in front of the wrong person. And, mm-hmm. like, the old me would probably think, like, oh, who cares? Like, rolling my eyes. Like, I'm just being myself. But there are some things that I'm learning now. Yeah. Like, I have to train myself. And that's actually where my career is kind of faltering right now is i'm having trouble making the mental leap of being a you know a leader potential manager a mentor like i'm, I'm good at connecting with people but to say you know you have to keep something separate i'm not good at that mm-hmm. they even funny enough nominated me for a transparency award and i was like they don't want to give me the award they just know that i'm like i tell people when they're doing a shitty job or something like that it's just that that's who i am that's mm-hmm. who i've always been and obviously in the workplace there is a little bit of politics and yeah demeanor you have to have it and that's that's such a hard thing to work through when all of college was you know okay here's how you do the formulas here's how you do this thing like nobody really sits you down and says here's how you be a professional Mm -hmm. and then we have to go to like our own seminars and other learning things and it's just Mm -hmm. it's a constant thing of how do i get better how do i beat everybody else and you're making this complete disconnect between who you are as a human who you are as a worker to the point they are blended and it sounds like you know you for a large degree did that but you were driven by passion yeah I was driven by passion and 
fear, I guess. Yeah. I think anxiety is yeah. probably why I and am, it, you know, as yeah, successful as I am. It for was sure. definitely more fear that, like, I wasn't ever going to be able to get to this, like, perfect that I was kind of being told to be. And I will say, like, there was. There was a standard in my head that I thought I had to be that I had to redefine for myself. Like, I thought I had to be another person. I thought I had to be my boss. And then I finally figured out that there was this happy medium where it was kind of me. Um, but it, that's always – it changes every day. Like, I will say I totally need to work on being more um, – having more decorum sometimes in, like – professional settings depending on who I'm talking to um I recently um I'm actually outside of work like a mentor um for um a program called HopeWorks and my mentee is fucking wonderful but like sometimes with her like I I'm like I should totally be more on my shit because like (laughs) sometimes I'm like I'm supposed to be the mentor and she's the mentee and it's the other way around because like I'm having a rough day on a Thursday and she's like talking to me and she's all like telling me all the stuff she did through the week and I'm like I feel like I haven't done jack shit and you've done so much more than me and you're like dealing with a bunch of other shit too and it's um that's taught me a lot too but it I mean it's day by day I'm still really young in my career and I'll learn but I never I think I lost me for a good like six months in um super early on in my career to the point where that anxiety came through and until I was able to come into myself, not be afraid of other people, not be afraid to talk to a CEO of a company and tell him, like, I disagree. Like, if you're okay with disagreeing with people because you have that expertise, like, that is when you find yourself in your career. Like, my – one of the biggest pieces of advice or – I don't even know if – I don't know who told me or if I came up with it myself was – people hire me or they hire my agency or they hire whatever because we know what we're doing. Don't let them doubt that. And also don't let them let you doubt that. Like, you know what you're talking about. Don't let people's silly questions, like, derail your thinking of what's right. And I mean, that differentiates between, like, um, industries, but, and I I mean, there's always the levels of, like, sometimes you just got to suck it up and let so-and-so think they're right and you'll just which like, I've had a lot of problems yeah and then with. you yell in the bathroom and scream into a pillow and that's what happens but like there's also times when you're like I'll fight for this and there was many a time when I fought for something fought for something fought for something and then I was right and then I heard about it for six months later like that was a fucking great idea and yeah. like that's that those are the moments in my career where it's like I fucking know what I'm doing yeah, and I feel like probably right now I'm I'm looking <laughs> to pick my battles a little bit more. And I know my boss is sick of me coming to his office about things, and I'm I'm working on that. Um, but you know, I I think you make a lot of good points of like you know things that I've gone through already, and like I think you know what you're saying about you know disagreeing with people. When I was able to you know speak up, that's when I felt like okay, people are gonna start listening to me, and I'm gonna make an impact. Um, but that that's hard too. I mean, I I had this one um mentee myself it was assigned at one of my jobs it was this girl she thought she had everything down she is one of the rudest people i've ever (laughs) met in my life unfortunately and i like i remember talking to her i remember talking to somebody who was on her team and it it was clear she didn't have respect for the job she was given she Mm -hmm. wanted to work at the big bank in the new york office and we were in the delaware office and she was doing things she didn't want to do 
And she ended up getting in trouble once because she was on the phone with somebody at her desk talking to somebody in New York. Like, yeah, I really don't want to do this. I want to do the thing in New York. And she just, she didn't read the situation right. Yeah. But it felt bad for her. And um, one day I was walking down the street in Philadelphia and I just saw her. And I like, waved at her and she didn't recognize me. And I was like, oh, hey, like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, I'm just like, want to run the city. My phone died. Do you mind if I come in? And I invited her to my place and we just had to talk about like, work and then at one point she assumed i was hitting on her i was like i don't really want you in my home anymore and then she took a slice of my pizza and i was like now i really don't want you in my home anymore but that was that was a thing though it's just like she had everything on her resume that would make her look good Mm -hmm. she had every little plan to the detail of what her life was going to be but she never stopped back and thought you know mentally who am i what is my image in the workplace like how do i make people and you know that's the thing they preach right away like if you want to do something else you want to move up master what you have now that was not her goal she wanted to skip a step Mm -hmm. um but you know that's a learning lesson we're all gonna learn in our career i learned that the things i did when i was an intern are not going to be make or break but they've had impacts um so i want to kind of change focus a little bit and i want to do the really generic interview question Mm -hmm. kathleen five years ten years where do you see yourself um Five years. Um, in five years, I hope I'm... I hope Touring I'm, with the band Fish. Oh, no. <laughs> Not I've all. never listened to the band Fish. I should. Good for you. I know, I should, but I don't know who they are. Um, in five years from now, I hope I'm still living in Philly. Um, may, maybe not. Maybe I'll live in a random city, but if I'm not living in Philly, I'll probably be living out west, but I highly doubt that because I'm scared to do that. Um, I'll probably, hopefully, be at the same agency, but a lot bigger. Um, we're growing a lot right now, which I'm excited about. Sup, Zoe? Um, <laughs> sorry. No one needs to know that. You can shout out as much as you'd like. Um, yeah. I'm going to get a really great coworker soon. Oh. Um. Well- is that so? That's all five years. Is you're gonna get a great yeah, color for no, five no, years? No. Sorry, I'm trying to think and thinking out loud. Um, no, in five years, I hope I am a director at least at my agency. Um, I hope I have a whole team under me. I hope we're working with some national brands. Um, I just hope I have the ability to be the boss I want to be. Um, I'm finally just starting to get people under me right now, where I'm starting to be a manager and. Um, it's definitely a learning experience. I'm really not great at it. I'm one of those people who I try to do everything myself and I'm not yeah. great at delegating and delegating gives me so much anxiety because... Oh, I feel super lazy when I'm delegating. I'm like, well, should not Not I even lazy. <laughs> it makes me feel like nervous because like I feel like I'm not explaining things the right way sure, and yeah. there's a lot of... And I know um a lot of people who come into a communications agency like don't understand PR. So I'm like, I feel like I've got to teach them a little bit more because yeah. um, you it's one of those jobs that you don't really know until you're in it. Um, So I hope I'm a better boss than I am now. Sorry. To you guys who are under me. Um, but, yeah, and then 10 years. Um, that times two. <laughs> two yeah, I, I'm a VP. What? How old am I? In? Fuck, 36. Um, I will be, hopefully, like, a VP at some agency. Um, maybe not at the same agency, because that's a long time to be at the same place. But, um, yeah. Well, one thing I did notice, though, is just when you were talking about five years, you weren't just talking for yourself. You're talking about your agency. And, you know, I can see that sense of pride and that mix in you. And I think that's, you know, something that when you 
lose that, that's when you start to say, okay, is this right? And Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that's kind of how you felt when you said you like lose yourself. You're like, you know, the agency is in one direction, but what direction am I in? Am I with them? Am I against them? Am Mm -hmm. I off to the side? Um, And, you know, I think that's some of the stuff that I'm feeling right now where it's like kind of a transition period for me. And it doesn't necessarily mean I don't like the company, but there, there is that thought of like, do they need me anymore? Mm-hmm. I, I really had this feeling last month where I was like, just sitting there thinking, you know, I had all of this down last year and it's not that I don't know what I'm doing, but it just feels like the sense of control is different. Like it's, yeah. it's like I'm watching it and reacting a little bit more than before when I felt like I was calling the shots and that's where it starts to get frustrating. But, um. No, it sounds like, you know, things are going great in your career. I hope you stop puking um, in the <laughs> office. Maybe leave that for the morning before. But, um, yeah, I want to thank you so much for coming on because, like I said, you know, it, it's not easy to have people willing to talk about their job because, yeah. you know, nobody wants to, to upset the, you know, the boss if they get to listen to it. But, you know, that's something you talked about. Your your last agency, they listened. And my agency, they allowed me to be myself and mm-hmm. they want to hear it too. And, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a place where I can be not only, um, you know, senior financial analyst, but also Cody Ryan. And I I try to even say that in, you know, interviews, but I really mean it. Like, I want to be myself here. I want to bring myself to it. So, you know, best of luck to you to get those two new coworkers by 10 years. Um, (laughs) Anything you want to plug, Kathleen? Do you want to, you said you had some shout outs though. You want to do, you you shouted out a few during, um, you, you don't have to. If you don't I wanna... just want to say sub to Zoe because he's going to be my new coworker. There you go. Um, other than that, no, just you. Thank you for having me on. No, thank <laughs> you for coming. Um, if you want to have some more Neurotica in your life, you can always follow our Twitter at Neurotica the Pod. If you want me more in your life, that's probably not a great decision for you, but you can always follow me at CodeRan. If you like watching people play video games for some reason, I do sometimes stream myself on Twitch. That's also at CodeRan. And there's probably other things that I'm doing that I'm forgetting, but... Um, singing you, at Adobe. Singing at Adobe, <laughs> specifically this Saturday. If anybody wants to come to Adobe, um, this episode is, I think, dropping Friday morning. So, yeah, that would be, by the time you're listening to this, tomorrow night, come to Adobe, do some karaoke with us. Kathleen, you coming to Adobe? I will be after the Phillies game. Okay, great. We're committing Kathleen to, the, <laughs> to Adobe. Um, if she's not there, she will be excommunicated by the podcast. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this is Neurotica. Have a nice day.